everyone. You are listening to KZMU 106.7 on 90.1 FM on that radio dial. And this is Radio Book Club. It is hosted every first Monday of the month from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And we are joined by Back of Beyond Books and the Grand County Public Library. My name is Alyssa, and I work at the Grand County Public Library with the Teen Center, and we are joined today. Hi, this is Jesse from the library as well. And Sherry from Back Oh Beyond. Back of Beyond Books. <laughs> <laughs> to be <Yep>. precise. <laughs> and thank you to Alyssa for hosting today. Of course. I like to get my hosting chops in. We'll see yes. how this goes. I'm sure there'll be thousands of write-ins about it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> At least hundreds. At least hundreds, because <laughs> this is what everyone looks forward to on the first Monday of every month. Radio Book Club, where we talk all about the books we're reading, events that are coming up, and we're going to start off tonight talking about the events that might be coming up at the bookstore and at the library, and I'm going to let everyone know, too, that at 5.30, we're going to have an author interview, and Jesse's going to have so much more information about that, so I'm going to start off with Jesse. Is there anything going on at the library in November that we should all mark down on our calendars and be super excited about? Definitely. Coming right up this Thursday, November 9th, 7 o'clock at the library, we're excited to welcome um, author, adventure swimmer, and activist Matt Mosley. He has recently published a book called Soul is Waterproof, Adventure Swimming and Stories of Water. He has done uh, long distance swims all over the world and um, had some pretty has had some pretty amazing adventures. He cares deeply about our riverways and oceans and lakes and other bodies of water and um, works really hard to raise awareness about um, keeping these healthy systems. Um, Very, very critical issue. So we're really looking forward to talking to Matt. We're going to give him a call about 530 and uh, find out what we have to look forward to this Wednesday, or I'm sorry, this Thursday, rather, at seven o'clock at the library. That's Thursday, uh, November 9th. Awesome. Anything yeah. else going on at the library this month? Um, not as far as programming for adults, although I'll just drop this coming up in mid-December, I believe the 14th of December, the library is going to screen the Barbie movie. I'm pretty stoked about this. Yes. I was one of those that missed it when it came uh, came through the theater here in Moab and um, I recently got to watch it and it's pretty hilarious and pretty awesome. Uh, exceeded my already high expectations. So that'll be coming up in December 14th. Stay for news. Awesome. Sherry, is there anything going on at Back of Beyond in the lovely month of November? Yeah, I want to talk about on this Thursday, November 9th, the story itself is happening again. And I want to get back to y'all about the time. I was just looking up the time. I think it's 6.30, might be 7. So I'm going to look that up and I will uh, come back around on that. But story itself, it's sort of um, like the moth story hour. 
folks show up. Of course, it, they have the their little story script in their mind, but they cannot use that script to um, to to do their story. And so, I'll actually be hosting this one. So That's the exciting. story itself, kind of like the Moth Story Hour, we're going to be. I know that it either starts at six thirty or seven, but I'm going to get that uh, exact number for you all, and and we'll let you know. And, and then also, I just wanted to mention not what's coming up, but what just came by. Uh, Jesse and I last Friday were able to host Barbara Jones Brown and, uh, her, she actually co-wrote Vengeance is Mine, the Mountain Meadows Massacre and the Aftermath. Uh, she co-wrote this book with Richard Turley. It's kind of a follow-up book from a 2000, the 2018 book that, that, he wrote actually on the mountains, Mountain Meadows Massacre. We had a, an incredible turnout, like 40 or so people. Uh, it was just 52. Barbara, 52 people. Wow. Uh, it was just Barbara that came down. Uh, Richard wasn't able to make it, but, uh, it was an incredible conversation, an incredible, uh, presentation by Barbara. And, and it was just, it's a 14 year in the making history of the Mountain Meadows Massacre. And also kind of a, a, a bit of a bookend, uh, to Juanita Brooks, who had originally written the, the Mountain Meadows Massacre and did a wonderful job. And is, of course, very quintessential to this bit of history. But also Barbara and Richard were able to kind of uh, dispel some of the legends and myths that have cropped up around uh, that, that piece of history. And so it the book is uh, huge. It in some ways kind of reads like fiction, oddly, but the history is sound, um, very well done. And if you're looking to really get kind of the final, some of the final words on this a piece of history, uh, pick that book up. Vengeance is Mine, The Mountain Meadows Massacre and Its Aftermath. And then also, I just want to let everyone know it's about to be Books for Tot season at Back of Beyond Books. We are right now, we have 12 institutions, <sighs> kind of incredible over the valley. And we're right now, we've got our institutions coming in, picking out their favorite books, getting them boxed up, and we're going to be ready by Thanksgiving to get those books up and ready for folks to come down and peruse. And this this becomes one of our favorite moments in the year to just watch as our community comes out and supports reading for the youth in the community, so... Love that. Yes. It's so fun. I actually have a question uh-huh. about the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Yes. And I've been wanting to ask you and you, Jesse. Yes. Because as a transplant who my local history had a lot to do with the Everglades and the Seminole Native Americans. So, it, I mm-hmm. mean, it's very regional in Florida, obviously. So if I wanted to dive more into what really went on with the Mountain Meadows Massacre, which book would you recommend that mm. I start with? You know, if you want a history of the history, mm-hmm. start with Juanita Brooks. Okay. Because, she, you know, she was the school teacher 
that was on the deathbed, was at the deathbed of Nephi Johnson, who sort of had the last oral history within his mind. Okay. He, he was there and saw the massacre happen. Mm -hmm. And um, it is said that his last words were blood, blood, blood. And, um, and she was there to, to hear that and then spent a good part of her life, you know, um, researching and, and, and finding out about what happened. But here, there's that kind of, but we know now that there are some things that she wrote that have a more apocryphal or more mm -hmm. myth mythology mm -hmm. that cropped up around it. But, uh, and then I'd go on to Richard Turley's first book, came okay. out in 2018, Mountain Meadows Massacre. Okay. Massacre at Mountain the Meadows. The Mountain, yeah, the Massacre at Mountain Meadows. Okay. And then, and, but you know what? Honestly, you could get everything from Vengeance is Mine. Well, the reason I ask is you both know I love a good rabbit hole to yeah. dive down. So <laughs> right. I am very happy to read all three of those yeah. in that original wow. suggested order. I just wanted your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot that wasn't talked about as much. And they did a lot of research around, I think, especially most poignantly was the children. There were mm -hmm. 18, well, 17 children that were um, spared and the journey of these children as they were handed to the perpetrators, um, the community of perpetrators for a couple years until they were able to get them back to Arkansas into the hands of their relatives. And, and that particular piece is, is quite poignant in the book. So I would definitely recommend, yeah, it's, not too far from here, down there by Cedar City. Just so. meticulously researched yeah. by a highly trained historian and a good storyteller. A good storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. She was wonderful. Yeah. The Personal connection. Yeah, we, we at Falcon in Denver and in early October, uh, suddenly she's there as the new director of... Uh, signature books which is a kind wow. of mormon academic not not just mormon but mormon adjacent as well uh, academic press here i run into her and her and i went on our study abroad the same study abroad in london when we were 18 and 19 years old and it was a, it was really exciting to s sort of see what our lives had become to a certain extent but but also we just sort of said, okay, let's do this event. She was happened to be coming to Moab right. and then there it was. And, and Jesse was so great. It was like, Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do this event together? <laughs> and you just said, yes. So like just right, right away. Oh yeah. So. I think our, I think our partnership programs have been real successes. Yes. It's a, good, a strong partnership for sure. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. And then one more question. You said the storied self is also on Thursday. Yes. So Thursday is quite a literary evening this coming week for everyone. Yeah, um, that's a tough choice. I know. But where could you go to do the storied? Yes, the storied self is at the mark. Got it. Yep. And um, while you're talking, I'm going to find our, our time on that. Perfect. So, <laughs> so while Sherry's looking for that and everyone at home is deciding what they're doing on Thursday evening, <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to remind the teens that the Teen Center will be closed on Friday. You cannot come 
and hang out with us on Friday afternoon. <laughs> we will miss you terribly and see you on Monday. And you can come <laughs> any other time during this week, including Thursday if you want to. But then on Friday, <laughs> you can't come because no one will be there. The doors will be locked. Everything will be dark. And we'll be so sad. But we'll see you the Monday after for all the teens. All right. Uh, <laughs> while we're on this subject, the the Grand County's main uh, main branch and Castle Valley branch, the libraries will both be closed on Friday and Saturday as well. Got it. In we are celebration doing this of Veterans honor, Day. Mm, observance of Veterans Day. Make sure to thank a veteran mm -hmm. um, and um, spend some time with your loved ones or go on a hike. The story itself. Yes. And I really didn't do it justice, so let's rewind. Perfect. Mm -hmm. The story itself, Moab Story Slams, Thursday, November 9th, doors at 6.30 p.m. Stories start at 7. It's at the mark, 111 East, 100 North, Moab. And um, the theme, the Story Slam theme is end of the line. Where do I go next? What does transition feel like? What is the language of completion and can I speak it fluently? Lines show up in nature as Virga from sky, interpersonally as boundary, literally as a filament that connects fishing poles to fish. Bring your stories of endings and beginnings, challenge this prompt and consider telling us a story about timelines, liner notes, journals, lined or unlined, eyeliner, Lionel Richie, or well, you get it. Perfect. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> that is exciting. All right. Well, those are all the events that are coming up in November. November is always kind of a busy time, Thanksgiving, and then we dive right into holidays. But now, since we're still on Hardback Radio on KZMU 106.7 and 90.1, we're going to talk to you about some of the indie bestsellers. And I am going to freely admit <laughs> that I have not been reading any of the current indie bestseller because, but one of them that is on the fiction list is the Iliad, which um, you're thinking, I'm sure that's not new. Why is that on the list? <laughs> it's because the translator, Emily Wilson, is one of not one of, is the first female to translate either the Odyssey or the Iliad from its original Greek. And for anyone who at home spends time translating Greek into English, that is quite an undertaking. And so she has been working for decades on these translations, which she started with the Odyssey. And I've been spending quite a lot of time around teens at the teen center <laughs> and with my day job. So I've been reading her translation of the Odyssey. I have every intention of also getting to the Iliad, but the Odyssey is the one that is in high school curriculum. <laughs> so that's the one where I'm reading first, but I've really enjoyed just the idea that when people are translating any language into another language, you're bringing your personal experience into that translation. You're bringing your understanding into the culture of the original language, as well as your experience of the culture that you're in currently. And so this idea that when you translate, if you can have more variety in translators, you can actually get to a more true version of the text. Whereas up to this point, it's 
largely been an academic pursuit, so largely men have been doing it. So there are some differences in the way that my good friend Emily Wilson translates, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Mm, love nice. that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I wanted to mention that it's kind of been the number one hardcover nonfiction top seller is, of course, Woman in Me, uh, Britney Spears' memoir. So I was sort of thinking that it's kind of diva month because we also have as a kind of, you know, like springboard off of the new Britney Spears. We also have Madonna, a Madonna memoir, our biography that came out called Rebel. I think it's uh, called just Madonna. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just called Rebel, a Rebel Life by Mary Gabriel. And then we also have Barbara (laughs) Streisand. Really? Yes. And my it's called My Name is Barbara. And uh, she wrote this one. So um, she wrote her own memoir. And I've been watching some interviews. And it looks like she's, it it looks good. It looks uh, pretty sophisticated and um, pretty deep, too. So so yeah, diva, some diva. So this, I, I did have a question for this month, and I want to get back to the indie bestsellers, but this just is perfect for the question. What is it that it particularly, and I was thinking about this because I was talking to Julia, who also works at Back of Beyond, and we were talking about the Britney memoir, and we started talking about the fact that it seems like there are a lot of women who are reading it or interested in reading it, but they feel like they have to offer a qualifier, like almost mm-hmm. as if it's like a guilty pleasure or they shouldn't admit like that something like this is what they want to be spending their time reading. And my question is why? Mm. Why do we think that we have to qualify what we're reading if it's a memoir about someone who is in the spotlight for decades? What do you think? Jesse? In general or yeah. specific to Brittany? Brittany was the example that we had what I had with Julia when we were talking about it but I don't think it specifically has to be that I think it kind of speaks to the larger question of what is quote-unquote guilty pleasure literature and what makes it a guilt thing sure so some of us value what we would could term intellectual pursuits Mm -hmm. and so that uh extreme the sugary pop culture is sort of antithetical to that, perhaps. Um, but understanding our culture and the pressures that we put on people who are idolized is really fascinating and is very, very appropriate and poignant even. Um, in particular, this young woman has suffered and struggled against some really, really amazing and harsh circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, besides all of the celebrity gossip and stuff that'll probably come with it. Well, yes, we know it does. Which is also, <laughs> I, that's just a human curiosity. I don't think, uh, yeah, I'm probably one of those people. I'll tell you, I sometimes read People Magazine on my lunch break, but I oh, yeah. put the New Yorker in front of it while I'm walking through the library. <laughs> right. So that is a perfect example. And that's exactly and that's, what we're and now, talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of ashamed that I do that, but I'm a little bit more ashamed that I'm reading People Magazine, maybe. Right. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. It's a really good question, uh-huh. Alyssa. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Well, 
or have you thought about it? Yeah, no, I think it's interesting in the in the bigger the bigger question of what we feel embarrassed to read, and you know the there there is a hunger for the human experience, Mm -hmm. and so like People Magazine to me that's sort of like maybe sort of like junk food hunger, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, just like Mm -hmm. I really just want these tidbits, you know. And for me, when I'm sort of looking at, I think that uh, I wouldn't have any embarrassment to read the Britney Spears biography, but I would, I would be, be very interested in reading it as from that standpoint that she, quote, wrote it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do we know if there, like, my, my thoughts are kind of like, was there a ghostwriter, you know, and, and so... I, I think there's two ways to read it, like just to find out what she's saying about her own life, mm-hmm. which I think that is that hunger. And then also to kind of look at it as a literary text, like what is this, wh- what's this book like? How How is it set up? What's its structure? Mm-hmm. I think would be kind of where I'd be looking at it too, not yeah. to compare it to high literary text, but, but sort of um, what does her voice look like on the page? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but kind of getting back to your question I think there's kind of a something of the the female voice in there Mm -hmm. you know that always has to be a little bit um, taken to a smaller platform Mm -hmm. or to be justified Um, but she has a lot of empathy out there in the world in the sense that people really have some compassion for her mm-hmm. and her story, yeah. you know? She does. Yeah. She does. I'm very interested and excited to read it and hear her perspective on things, especially as someone, I was a child when she first like came out onto the scene and the topic of her relationships and her fame and what she was going to do next and how young she was, but then how old she was and (laughs) what she was doing with her private life and personal life and how much were we allowed to know about was such a huge part of like total request live on MTV when I was in (laughs) middle school and high school that I'm so curious to see what she has to say because it's also now in retrospect realizing how much of what I was fed at that young age was definitely filtered through either her family or her managers or her relationship with a man and just how her story was really, really kind of dumbed down and shrunk. So I'm excited. Mm. Good question. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. And I like like that she's a person that that however – uh, ineffectually, she struggled against a lot of a lot of that uh, in, that enclosure and mm-hmm. um, be, belittling of her own agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw we saw how damaging that was to her in a lot mm. of places. Yep, that's going to be a, that'll be an interesting story. Library's copy arrived on Friday, I believe. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Let's some, get on get on the list. Get in line. There's definitely some strong women's voices in the um, in that same list mm-hmm. with Heather Cox R- Richardson's uh, Democracy Awakening, who's mm. someone who's been um, I know many people that follow her daily blog just so that they can 
figure out what's going on out there in the world politically. She She's able to sort of just kind of tell you like it is mm-hmm. and give you in a way, I kind of look at it like as the cliff notes, you know, to like yeah. what's happening. Um, and then Rachel, Rachel Maddow's prequel and then Enough by Cassidy Hutch- Hutchinson. Wow, yeah, so, triple. Wow. Yeah, sure. all of those yeah. are in the top five, six. Um, Real heavy yeah. hitters there. There's some heavy hitters, mm-hmm. yeah. So interesting. Interestingly enough. <laughs> what about you, Jesse? What have you been reading on the bestseller list? Nothing on the bestseller list. <laughs> <laughs> I have been, uh, as much as possible, um, just reading reading what kind of falls into my hands or what's, uh, what's yeah, been really exciting. And I've got a stack of t- too many, too many um, <laughs> books. I've been, yeah, they're, they, some, of these, some of these had a blip on the bestseller list. Out There Screaming is a new anthology of black horror edited by Jordan Peele of oh. Key and Peele of the movies Get Out, mm-hmm. the movies Us, and the movie Nope. Um, really, really important. I think this is a <clears throat> a really cool and important genre that's um, giving giving expression to a lot of generational trauma, uh, not just for um, for Black horror writers, but for Native American horror writers. We're seeing a, a lot more of them being published, and it seems like a really interesting uh, format <clears throat> to express. Uh, to express some of the horror of their current lives and their history as well. Uh, plus, they're just really well done and recognize and recognize about fifty percent of the the uh, authors in that collection. Once again, that's called "Out There Screaming," a new anthology, an anthology of new black horror, edited by Jordan Peele. Um, Maria Bamford, hilarious comedian. She bla- her her book. Sure, I'll join your cult. Had a had a moment on the bestseller list a couple of weeks ago. And okay. She is just a ton of fun. Uh, super brutally honest um, about her struggles with mental health and in Hollywood. And um, but she is just a she is a scream. She's super funny. If you've never um heard of her you might go on youtube and see if you can find some skits new old doesn't matter she is really funny and this book about her need to belong to things um is uh is pretty <laughs> it's pretty funny well her need to belong to things i think we, that yeah we, we all, all need, need to belong, to belong. <laughs> If she's someone that says yes, uh, probably too much. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I am so glad that you're pointing out books that have blips on the indie bestseller list because I feel like, first of all, they're always such an incredible amount of good books that are published and sometimes they pop up on that bestseller list and they're just there for a week and there's 15 other ones or 30 sometimes that you're trying to get through or mark down and so I'm so glad that you're pointing some of those out because they're they sound really great yeah mm-hmm. yeah pretty cool there's lots of lots of marvelous books on the list i'd like to read but probably yeah. won't get to so we're actually getting pretty close to the time uh that we're gonna be calling mr matt mosley i believe he's at home in boulder colorado right now and i'll tell you a little bit about him um in the meantime so um he mosley has run a communications firm um, for years and years. He also worked in politics, um, I believe in Washington, um, <clears throat> D.C. for a long time. He was a communications chief for the Senate Democrats under then Senate, Senate President Joan Fitzgerald. 
and um, he he took up long distance swimming at some point in his life, and I'll definitely let him tell you a little bit about that. So, meanwhile, he has um, he has new what he has swum swum in some amazing bodies of water all over the world. He has numerous records to his name for swimming some of these, including Key West Lake Pontchartrain. I believe that was a forty mile swim, accompanied so by a party boat. <laughs> Uh, as his as his support vehicle, that's a really fun chapter in his book. Soul is waterproof: adventure swimming and stories of water. Wow. He has uh, swum the Colorado, the Green, the Sea of Galilee, across the Caribbean, uh, and the Golfo Dulce of Costa Rica. Um, he is deeply concerned with the quality of water in um, in our rivers, lakes, and oceans. And we are really lucky to um, have Matt on the line. Hello, Matt Mosley. Are you there? Hello, Moab. Good evening. Are you at home in Boulder? I sure am. Well, I'm so glad that you could join us. I tried to get started with giving a little bit of information about your bio. Did I leave anything important out that you'd like other folks to know? (laughs) I think you got quite a bit of it in there, yeah. Yeah. Lots of lots of swims and some fun places, but none so beautiful as swimming in Canyonlands for sure. That's really cool, Matt. And I did I read? Do I remember correctly that uh, one of the first things that got you into um, doing these these swims? Um, I don't know if competitively is the right word. Word you're definitely um, you're definitely following some very some very um, particular rules. The open water. You're going to have to remind me. Um, that's what, correct. Yeah, you know, the, the World Open Water Swimming Association yeah. has certain guidelines and protocols for if you're going to ratify a swim sure. as a, you know, kind of a, a first swim or kind of put it into the books. And, uh, yeah, it was about, I don't know, third, 20, almost 30 years ago. And uh, my wife gave me a canoe for my birthday, and it came with a trip down from – Moab to the confluence. Nice. And look, we didn't bring shade. We didn't bring enough cocktail ice or beer. <laughs> uh, we didn't bring lawn chairs, but I did bring my goggles, my swim cap, and my, my Speedo. And, uh, you know, I'd swam through high school, but wasn't really like a fast competitive swimmer and going to get a college scholarship. So I was kind of coming back to the sport about 10 years later. And when I was swimming in the Colorado River, that was the first time I'd really felt this like real connection with the water and you know it wasn't just a box of chlorinated water right it was this beautiful river Mm. and it felt just almost Phelpsian you know you're like Michael Phelps just pulling along and the eagles are overhead and absolutely beautiful you know that's when I started doing a lot more open water swimming where you know I don't have lane lines or a clock or a coach and it's just me in the water and these experiences a really deep connection to the river we've most of us i believe have all floated um many of us that same trip um but being actually in the water and in the current i can see how that would be um, a completely a completely different experience absolutely and i'll be talking about that uh you know i'll be in uh in moab uh, this thursday and i'll be talking a little bit about my connection with the water and i I feel like there's something 
you know, after you've been in there nine, 10, 15 hours, you, you take on a different perspective with the water and really get this ancient kind of communal this connection with it, that you're not looking at it anymore. It's not coming out of the tap into a glass. You're really involved with it. And it's a really special place to be. Oh, that's really wonderful. Um, that's a great segue into um, a, a section of your book. Um, you describe the German word Talweg, spelled T-H-A-L-W-E-G, uh, German for valleyway, or to be exact, a path that follows the bottom of a valley, describing the deepest channel of a river. Um, and I love I love how you describe that, and I'd love it, love it if you could talk talk to us a little bit about that, including where you say, find the people who are your Talvig. <laughs> Thanks. I, you know, um, I, that's a funny, funny thing because my publisher uh, called me and said, hey, is this really a word? Are you making this up? <laughs> Doesn't he have Google? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hello. Uh, it's kind of important. And uh, it's not just the deepest channel. I I always, you know, when you're swimming in a river, you have to, and obviously floating a river too, you have to be cognizant of that river within a river. Hmm. And I always think that's really tricky and and kind of something, kind of like life too, you know, this river within the the strongest current and and the fastest current. You know, and incidentally, Falwag is an important uh, geographical and political boundary because it does separate places like New Orleans and Mississippi, where the the foul wag of the Mississippi is the dividing line between those two states. Sure, uh, it also works on uh, property as well. Is like if, if a river cuts through two properties, it's the foul wag that's the dividing line. But you know, I use it in the book to really describe how important you know my team is and assembling the team and putting together the right kind of people who can get you down safely. And I think that is what something I take out of the water to life and to apply to my own life is, you know, find those people who can get you down safely and, and without the, you know, the least amount of disturbance and, and friction. And so I really, uh, it's something I take from the water is find people who keep you in the foul wag. That's so great. And also find people who are in, who are interested in being in the same deep current that we all have different currents that we want to swim in, but. And it's not always easy. And it's something I've found through uh, years of open water swimming in different places that, you know, your best friend, sometimes you you love them, but they may not be the best person for your support boat. (laughs) Yeah, I read read a good example of one of your early swims. I also really enjoyed... um, how you the the qualities that you look for in the people that you are um, taking to be your support um they're not just keeping an eye on you floating along there's a lot a lot that goes into it um i think you describe them as curious humble skilled hearty multifaceted prepared resourceful radically self-reliant and jovial which i think is really important to you (laughs) and you know who i think of uh there's a a person in Moab that I thought of when I was writing that very paragraph hmm. who was on my support team. And that's uh, Mike Dehoff. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like he, you know, those kind of, those kind of people that just embody a lot of those qualities. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, they're, 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 they're not, they're not all out there. You, you really have to kind of find and, you know, look for those nuggets of gold out there. Yeah. And you have to have experiences sometimes for that stuff to shake out and show up sometimes. Wow. Well, um, I do, I do agree with you about, uh, about Mike. (laughs) Um, can you, can you tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about some of your, um, your favorite swims, um, and, uh, and then some of the most dangerous bodies of water that you've swum uh, in. Yeah. Um, well, you know, my favorite is probably the most dangerous. And that was uh, my, kind of the, my big first swim that I did, which was across Lake Pontchartrain. Mm. And I was 25 miles. And, you know, we had, um, we had uh, a whole support crew of some party barges. And we had David Amram and Papa Molly playing music all night long while I swam. And there was this giant merman shooting lasers into the night sky. And it was just this sublime swim. I mean, it was really hard. And at the finish, there was a uh, there was an alligator sunning itself at the boat ramp. Oh, my. Where I, was supposed to, where I was supposed to come up. So they had these two Cajun guys go out there and kind of wrestle it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And there were all these like all these like first responders, EMTs, and the mayor was there. And they're like, I think we have a situation. We have national media. Oh my gosh! A swim, a swimmer approaching, and an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You know, How was the was, uh, another? Oh, okay. go ahead. I was oh. going to say another quick story is about the the Caribbean swim that I mm. did. It was a, a multi day swim. We started at St. John at St. Thomas, and then. You know, we're swimming, and uh, I'm sp- sp- swimming up to the island of Vieques and towards Puerto Rico, and uh, swimming, and, and it's the hardest swim of my life. It's you know, 16 hours in, and um, a burn to a crisp, and really bad weather. And so I finally get up, and I raise my, you know, come up onto the beach, and I hug my son, and I'm like, Charlie, where? you know, where's the champagne reception at the W hotel and the mayor and like the boys and girls club and the free cabana. I can fucking go rest in. And he's like, dad, you swam up to the wrong Island. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my Did you get back in the water? They, yeah. They didn't want to tell me. And I'd been blown off course to this other Island. And it was like, Oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> and it's another lesson in that. You know, we'll talk more about it on Thursday night, but that I take from the water is really expect the unexpected. You know, sometimes in life you put together the best team, you've trained for years, you know the you know, you you've done everything right and you just swim up to the wrong island. Yeah, so true, so true. Talk to us a little bit about the taste of water that you've experienced. I loved your description of the Boulder Reservoir, the Colorado River, and some others. You've uh, developed quite a palate, a very fine, refined palate for different uh, different bodies of water's tastes. So whenever I mentioned earlier about this deep connection with the water, and, and, I, and I'm very cognizant about, you know, all water is H2O, but I feel like every water molecule is also very different mm. and it takes on the characteristics and the geography of the place that it is and the, and the people too, the people have a huge impact on, on the water. And so, you know, I feel like, I've, I feel like water tastes and feels very different in every single place I've swam, whether it's 
you know, the Sea of Galilee, uh, and Israel tasted a lot like, you know, this fine silk of a wedding dress uh, with, like, I don't know, a, 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 a communion wafer or something, like this hmm. white, very white bread, uh, pure taste. And then, like, train, you know, that's pretty interesting because you get, like, this uh, kind of brackish, uh, salted rim of a margarita, kind of, with some, uh, you know, mollusks and afternotes of shrimp shells. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the Colorado River also, you know, it, it, it has that texture of a finely rich, you know, very rich cappuccino, almost, or like a... A, a really worn old saddle, that kind of leathered, uh, thick but shiny, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then it and then it tastes like you can kind of taste the you know the fresh Rocky Mountain snow melt uh, of the of all the streams that make up the Colorado River. But then through Moab, you do get a little bit of a you know gypsum aftertaste, maybe uranium tailing. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. No, the water's great and it's very clean. I don't want to give anybody any impressions that he's else. <laughs> it's such a great river, which is why it's so important that we are bringing attention to its health and, um, Absolutely. and life. Um, I, uh, it's almost time to say goodbye for the moment, Matt, but I wanted to mention um Real quick out there, if anybody is interested in learning a little bit more before Thursday, you can go on YouTube and Google Silent River. Definitely, it's a little, it's a real short little movie um, about Matt's swim in the Green River, which is a really beautifully filmed um, and interesting story. Uh, definitely include the word Mosley or swimming because there's also a horror movie by the same title, which is not right. what we're after. <laughs> um, this is a beautiful film. It was produced by American Rivers. Um, the library actually screened this in 2022, I believe, with the American the uh, Wild Rivers right. Film Tour. Um, and then, Matt, before we say goodbye, could you quickly... Tell us the story of the uh, how you wound up in Moab's old hospital, the Allen Memorial Hospital. I'm proud to say we now have a really sweet, big, state-of-the-art <laughs> medical facility. It's no longer, no longer the MASH unit you described. <laughs> Can you tell us that story really quick, and then we'll say goodbye for now? Oh, I got into a bad fight with the rock. You know, <laughs> it had a bad incident to the river, and um, it shattered my tibia fibia. And, you know, I, that's the second time I'd been in the Moab uh, hospital. And what it strikes you, it's not like New Orleans Charity Hospital, right? It's mm-hmm. like everybody has done something to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think you described it as There's, full of dumbasses who yeah, yeah, suffering, <laughs> suffering injuries. And, the, and they, I remember the, the doctor looking over me and he says, you know, hey, you, you're going to be fine in a couple of days. We could set it. FedEx the parts from Grand Junction. Oh my gosh! We'll have you patched up in a few days. I'm like FedEx. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, wonderful! Cinder block mash Uh, unit. You know they they uh, it is. You know I kind of joke about it, but they were they were awesome. Oh, really? Patch me up. You know they're they really know what they're doing there. Yep. 
Yeah, we uh, we've all been taken taken care of there, and and I'm very grateful for it. Um, Matt, I remember the old hospital, right? The little cinder block. Oh yeah, (laughs) oh yeah. I had surgery there once. Oh, (laughs) it turned out fine. I'm happy to say, Matt. We got to say goodbye. Oh my (laughs) gosh, it was crazy. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, the the book is really entertaining and inspiring and interesting. Um, you can pick up a copy at Back Will Be on Books or uh, at the library we have some for checkout as well i believe matt will have some for sale um on uh thursday november 9th at seven o'clock at grand county library you can come here matt uh tell 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 us these wonderful stories and tell us about his passion for for water matt thank you so well, much thank you so much for having me really looking forward to being in moab on thursday yeah we'll see you soon thank you okay that was a great interview I think I want to be on one of those party bu- boats. Yeah. I don't yeah. at all in any way want to swim that long no, ever. No, not with the alligators and then in the industrial waste. I was but. thinking about the alligators because I, you had mentioned he swam somewhere in Florida and he was like, those are like dangerous waters. There's lots of things that yeah. swim and live in those waters. All yeah. kinds of water snakes and alligators, crocodiles if you're in the right spot. Not my jam. I was loving the the vintage of the water. Yes, yes. I like the bouquet. He, he describes, <laughs> he, he describes the good. Boulder Reservoir uh, as a, a deep chestnut with notes of goose poop and a, dump, <laughs> and a, and a dumpster juice finish. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh my goodness! This sounds so entertaining. Good so stuff. Good. Oh my gosh! I think yeah. I Soul think that'll be, if you're not into hearing the uh, amazing story slam on Thursday night, come and be oh. entertained at the library. I know this. We're is competing. Some, this is, we uh, we partner and collaborate and, and so sometimes much. And we sometimes compete. we compete. It's all good. There's something for everybody. It is all good. That's also what's really cool about Moab. We're tiny but there's always something for everybody it's going got on such a it's deep con- huge uh, concentration of creativity i've i've never lived in a town that's very quite true. like this not that i've lived that many places but. we're pretty lucky <laughs> okay moving right along we are still watch- listening to hardback radio on kzmu you can find us on 106.7 or 90.1 on the fm dial and we're going to start talking about some of the books that Sherry, Jesse, and I have been we- reading this month. And I'm going to start with myself. Yes, go for because it. Because I can. So, <laughs> um, the first one I want to talk about that I've just started reading, um, it's been years since I've been able to make it through anything horror, either books or movies. Just it's been a very long time. But I started watching The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix and was 100% terrified and (laughs) absolutely loved it. Be that as it may, I am a big chicken. So when I say 100% terrified, I'm not saying that everyone would be. But I, me, was. (laughs) But I started reading it because I was so interested in all of the Edgar Allan Poe references. So... um. The Fall of the House of Usher is 
a short story written by Edgar Allan Poe. And then throughout this miniseries on Netflix, they reference so many of his other poetry, like so many of his other poems and his other short stories. The names of the characters on the show are from different writings of his. And it's if you are a fan of Edgar Allan Poe and you don't mind gore or horror, I would say go for it. But I would think if you're a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, you'll probably be fine. You're probably down with that already. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be fine. But that sent me on this month's rabbit hole because, you know, I dive right into those. And now I'm reading a book called White Horse, Mm. which is by Erica T. Worth. Speaking of Native American horror. Yes. We've got a theme going. Yep. Just kind of dove right in and... This is based in Denver, and the main character, Carrie, it could be Kari. I'm surrounded by Carries and Carries, so I'm never sure how to pronounce it. But Carrie is the main character, and she has been gifted a bracelet that was her mother's, and it has um, some different indigenous markings on it and different like charm type things and it seems to have some sort of power and ever since she's gotten it she's been having like weird memories weird flashes her friends who are a bit more connected with their indigenous roots feel pretty strongly that she's having visions and that her dead mother is trying to contact her but so far Carrie is not convinced I'm a little scared but I'm gonna keep going because it's really good (laughs) And that's what I'm reading. I really enjoyed that that one too. Did you read it already? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That one. How scary really does good. it get? Should I just read it in Only the daytime? Medium. Medium um, scary. So but I, I should read it in the daytime. Yeah. Sherry, what are you reading these days? <laughs> we haven't heard much from you. Well, I was actually that just made me think of it's not horror, but um, Louise Ardrich's uh, The Sentence. It uh. surprised me at how much that ghost story scared me. Really? There's a ghost story. The stories essentially it takes place in a bookstore and there's this incredible reading list in the back glossary uh, because she owns a bookstore in Minneapolis. Right. And so it's a, it's a haunting in the bookstore from it's the woman that died and is haunting. It was a patron of the bookstore but it's kind of got like possession vibes. Uh-huh. And so it gets pretty, pretty dark. I had to put it down for a minute. It's so well done. It book is well is done. Not it's a really ghost well done. Story. There's no. all kinds of other stuff going on. There's yeah. all sorts of, it's a, that's one of my, my, that's probably my favorite of her in the last 10 years. Yeah, so no, it's, it's, absolutely it's great. Louise Erdrich's The Sentence. Um, but I did want to, I was talking with a, one of our, my coworkers, her name's Heidi, and we were, you know, I just love the moments, I guess, where someone just, there's a book sitting in front of you just because it came in in a box. And then Heidi looks over and is like, that's a really good book. And I judge this book by its cover. I haven't read it yet, but I really want to review it because I got some words from Heidi. Um, it's called When Women Were Dragons. And I completely judged this book like it was sort of fluffy, science fiction fantasy um, by Ke- Kelly Barnhill. And kind of just, I, I would say, oddly poo-pooed it. I, have, I don't really know why other than just the, the title. Uh, but 
here, I just want to give a little bit of a synopsis and then what Heidi said. Um, so when women were dragons, Alex Green lives in a world much like ours, except for its, it, except for its most seminal event, the mass dragoning of 1955. When hundreds of thousands of women sprouted wings, scales and talons and took to the skies. Um, and then it talks about this book as a timeless speculative novel from Kelly Barnhill that boldly explores rage, memory, and the tyranny of forced limitations. When Women Were Dragons exposes a world that wants to keep women small, their lives and their prospects, and examines what happens when they begin to take up the space they deserve. Sort of thinking. Can we give this book to Britney Spears, please? That's what right? I was thinking. We're <laughs> connecting back. And this is what Heidi says. At turns, playful, heartbreaking, and utterly cathartic. When Women Were Dragons is a commentary on life under patriarchy and every ridiculous and insidious way it teaches women and girls that our bodies and emotions are inappropriate, less than, and taboo. Wow. It is a story of the rage that grows when one is forced to endure this cruelty day in and day out and the empowering freedom found in letting that rage bubble over in shaking off the chains of patriarchy, in reaching out for the life you want and grasping it in both hands. And I would tack onto that and growing dragon wings. Yes, I love <laughs> it. That is the best review. Isn't I've, it? I've admired the cover a few times. It is a beautiful cover. Nightshade, green. Yes. A Can moon, I some leaves, and then in the very bottom, a serpent's eyes. Beautiful. Yes. Right Can there. I just throw out there for everyone listening? If you want to read really good book reviews, mm -hmm. you should scroll through Back of Beyond social media page and go back and find Heidi's. all of Heidi's <laughs> book reviews. Yes. I have been convinced to read so many books mm -hmm. just by reading her book reviews. And yeah. there's a wide variety. She mm -hmm. does not stick to just one genre. And she always has like just the clearest kind of wrapping up of what she just experienced and telling you about it and making you go, why have I not read that? Yes. Yet? Was that one by Heidi? Yes. Yeah. That book review? Oh yeah. my yes. gosh. Yeah. That was that was Heidi. I mean, she I gave to, the synopsis. She could, she could yeah. get a new job. I gave yeah. the synopsis and then the last two paragraphs were li she, she literally sent that to me at 5 p.m. through okay. text. Okay. And I, and like uh, maybe an hour before that, I said, hey, could you write something up? Wow. So that's what came out of wow, that. Wow, nice, yeah. Heidi. Well, Love Heidi it. book reviews. Yes. <laughs> Bookstore, too. Just check out the staff pick shelf. Just saying. She's always got good ones. <laughs> good tip. Hot tip. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And you, my friend, Jesse, well, what are you reading? I have been reading a lot, but I have decided to talk about a book called Death Valley, a novel by Melissa Broder. Some yes. of you may have read her previous books, Milk Fed and the Pisces. I have not. I uh, I picked this book based up on a based on a also on a really good review. Um, shuffling notes. <laughs> like, oh, here we go. <laughs> For listeners, Jesse has quite a few notes here in oh. front of her. Oh, I found them. <laughs> so, Death Valley by Melissa Broder. I did not know what to expect at all. I was a little a little skeptical at first because she's a super. She's an LA 
woman, um, very overly analytical, self-analytical, um, very into, very attuned to new age self care speak. And, uh, I thought maybe it was going to be kind of annoying. This, uh, turns out it, it was, it was pretty funny. It was funny and actually very, very touching and moving in places and interesting. So, um, a lot of books we read about life and death or, both. This is a book kind of about the liminal places between. Um, so she is a, she's a, she's writing in the first person and it's, she's an over, overly self-analytical writer whose father is dying and whose husband has for years suffered a mysterious and debilitating illness. So she escapes to the desert, the Mojave desert around Death Valley to face or maybe to avoid her grief and ends up with much more than she bargained for. She's a spiritual seeker and she's in, uh, in recovery. She's sober, except for her self-diagnosed internet addiction. <laughs> um, and she tries with surprisingly mixed results to, um, to come to terms with, with her feelings. And one, at one point she says, if I'm honest, I came to escape a feeling and attempt that's already going poorly because unfortunately I've brought myself with me. <laughs> and I see as the last pink light creeps out into the infinity that I am still the kind of person who makes another person coma about me. Um, I love how she talks about um, trying to deal with the feelings around feelings and how much fear we have uh, around feeling certain things and avoiding certain feelings. So she's, as I said, she's dealing with the uh, potential, maybe literal death of her father and her husband's decline over years and years. She said, this is how I have felt all winter, this lost and this foolish about the lostness, this feeling and this fear of the feeling, the fear that I've done something wrong, that I wouldn't have to feel this feeling if I'd done something differently, that I shouldn't feel this feeling that this feeling is unseemly or irrational or bad or dangerous or too much, that I am all of these things. So many judgments. So she winds up getting lost on a hike uh, in the desert, a little bit ill-prepared, I must say, and um, has some really, sort of there's some magical realism comes uh, comes into this story. And she, um, she, I'll spoil it, she does survive. And uh, does she... <laughs> Does she remember the conversations that she had with God, her father, the rabbits, the hummingbirds, the cactus part, the saguaro cactus that she climbs inside at one point? Uh, it is a very interesting, interesting book. Death Valley by Melissa Broder. I love spending time in the heads of really intelligent, weird women. And mm. this is definitely one of them. So fun. Love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have. Two minutes. So this is a rapid fire. Lightning round. Let's go. The other book that I read this month was the graphic novel of Frankenstein by Grizz Grimley. There have been lots of adaptations of Frankenstein, movies, plays, TV shows, and other graphic novels. But this one, I really loved. It's done a really good job of capturing like the eerie obsession of Frankenstein and this graphic novel illustrated by Grizz Grimley and all of the original text by Mary Shelley. Really good stuff. I would highly recommend Frankenstein. You really have gone down the rabbit hole. I love it. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I read, I read actual Frankenstein through last month as oh. well. Yeah. Oh, 
and Dracula. <laughs> Read both of them. I know. Yes. Um, I just want to mention two things. One, I just I'm reading. It's called Jane, Jane Campion on Jane Campion. This, of course, is the uh, famous director who has done films such as The Piano, um, In the Cut, and most recently, uh, Power of the Dog. Uh, this is kind of a retrospective from her life at the when she was born in New Zealand and it goes through and, and sort of focuses on everyone in the film. So I am, am also going down a rabbit hole with her and starting at her first couple of shorts and going all the way through to Power of the Dog. And I haven't yes. seen stuff like Portrait of the Lady or um, Up in or Holy Smoke, any, any of those for a while. So that's called Jane Campion on Jane Campion. If you like her as a director, you're going to love this. And uh, let's go to Jesse, and then we'll probably be done. I had, yeah. no, you go ahead with your last one. Well, I did mine earlier. Okay, I just wanted to mention every year we get the best American um, dot, dot, dot. And those are all out. And I want, I just, I just love these. So we have uh, the best American essays, short stories, science fiction, nature writing, mystery and suspense, poetry, food writing, short stories, and magazine writing. And these are all best of 2023. Awesome. I know. And, you know, you kind of, you, they're, they're actually really great. They, the editors that compile these and have to go through and pick, they do a really good job. The one I'm reading right now, it's the Best American Essays of 2023. Vivian Gornick is the one who pulled these essays and put them together. So I would say, you know, if you like short stories, grab a copy of that. If you like food writing, so that's good too. So anyway, I think we have to go, Alyssa. I think we do. That is our show of Hardback Radio on KZMU 106.7 and 90.1 FM. We are here the first Monday of every month, so we will be back in December to talk to you more about the books that we're reading. But in the meantime, if you just want to catch all of the other episodes we've ever done, mm -hmm. you can find them on the KZMU website, which I believe is kzmu.org. And you can also typically by the end of the week find the podcast versions and for KZMU under public affairs, wherever you get your podcasts. Perfect. And you did that very well. Thank you. <laughs> off it's the like cuff, I've off been, the fly. It's like I've been listening every month. So <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to chatting with you all in and about town, and we will see you next month. Or talk to you. You can't see us on the radio station. Good night. Have a good night. <laughs> You can hear Radio Book Club live on the KZMU airwaves every first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. Find archives and book mentions at kzmu.org.